Diaspora podcast listeners. I am your host, uh, Marga Jonas Bula. I'm back with our second episode on the Hornets Diaspora. The Hornets Diaspora podcast discusses major unfolding events in the Horn of Africa that concern members of the diaspora communities. It also entertains the stories of people whose achievements are contributing to both their homelands and hosting communities. Today, I have with me Sami Omar. He was born in Sudan in 1978 to Eritrean parents and grew up as a child of German parents in Ulm, Swabia, here in southwestern Germany. He is the author and moderator. So as author, he is known for his work on the topics of migration, integration, racism and discrimination. He has been contributing dozens of articles for prints and online media. In 2018, he wrote his third book titled Sami und die Liebe Heimat, which is translated as Sami and the Beloved Homeland. We will get to that later in our discussions. He also appears as a speaker and trains people on the topics of migration, integration, racism and discrimination. Besides all this, he moderates political and cultural events as well. There are many more to say, but let's welcome Sami and get to our discussions making his latest book as a springboard. Sami, welcome to the Horns Diaspora. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Good. Um, so, uh, just uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we will start with your uh, latest book. Uh, I've read it, uh, uh, which is titled Sami und die Liebe Heimat. Uh, the English version of it is Sami and the Beloved Homeland. Uh, you started your writing of the book with your experience in Thuringia, a state located in the center of Germany. You asserted that, I quote some of it, uh, I am a German, my skin is brown, however it works, they will have to accept it. When I became a German, Helmut Schmidt was federal chancellor, I was a German when the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, however I cannot move freely in this country, which is my homeland. Uh, what do you mean by that you cannot walk freely in this country? Why is that so? Let's start with that. Okay. Um, why? Well, why is that? Um, see, I was I was brought up in the in the eighties and um, was a teenager in the nineties in Germany. Um, as you said, in Swabia is, is where I grew up in a town called Ulm. Um, I was a black child with white parents. I was always aware of the fact that. Um, at least in my life, the, the concept of belonging um, cannot be based on, uh, on things like ethnicity and, and, and genetics. But um, especially in the 90s, after the reunion of Eastern and Western Germany, neo-Nazis and right-wing groups have tried to build a common German identity on whiteness, on the category of whiteness and the idea of, of German blood. Um, and, and that led to terrible violence and murder and, and, and uh, 
uh, people were hunted and uh, and a sense of fear spread out amongst people of color in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think it, it has made us aware of us meaning, you know, people of color and black people. And uh, um, it has made us aware that the threats that were we were exposed to in society um, were very vivid and, and directed as us uh, individually. Um, and Dora visited the, the DDR, the Eastern uh, Germany, before the reunion throughout my childhood quite, you know, so, uh, quite a few times in the 90s and early 2000s. I've over-generalized my fear of Eastern Germany to be, you know, uh, thinking of it as unsafe for me to be there. Mm-hmm. And um, my, my texts that you mentioned aimed at exactly this feeling. The thing that I speak on it in, in the book is that I, as a German of African descent, I can not feel less secure in parts of Germany um, you know, than, than other people. Uh, those people being white people. Uh, if I am uh, in the same sense a citizen to this country and belonging to this country, I have to feel the same sense of freedom, that, you know, given to me as a, as a uh, member of this society and someone with a German passport. I am free in a legal sense to go wherever I want to, but um, I don't enjoy the same level of security, um, and I haven't felt that. So if this is my country also, I have to insist on my movement uh, to be free and unlimited as it is for any white person in Germany. Um, your book also focuses on the issue of homeland. Uh, let's get to that. Uh, on the issue of homeland, uh, there might be some people who I guess uh, might be thinking that Sami is our Horn of African son uh, and his homeland is here, <laughs> not, not, not Germany. Uh, would you enlighten us uh, what his homeland mean to you? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I am a child of refugees, yeah? So, no, not even. Uh, um, to be exact, I am a refugee. So, when I came to Germany, I came to Germany not with my biological parents. So, I was, um, I'm not even, you know, a child of ref- refugees. I am a refugee myself, first generation um, uh, refugee. So, Homeland or or Heimat, as it is in German, is a concept that was forced upon me. I did never choose uh, to think in this category. Uh, I I chose to think um, in the category of belonging. So to me, Homeland is a feeling that builds a sense of belonging out of memories and warmth and love uh, and, you know, these kind of emotions and the aspect of memory uh, is linked to to time, you know. So the time I spent in Germany allowed me to create an identity through the love of my parents and the experiences I made and all those uh, all those things. So I guess in this sense of belonging um, is one that builds over time, you know, as memories accumulate. Um, you know, good was good ones and those that are uh, less less pleasant, but uh, it sets a foundation somehow. So um, this is a sense of belonging. The 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 sense that is um, 
you know, wrapped up in the in the concept and the word of homeland or Heimat is a controversial one because it is always connected to something that in a public discussion or in a political sense uh, is something that is occupied by white people who claim to be genetically linked to Germany rather than uh, through a sense of belonging. And I am there very much for uh, this sense of belonging being a criteria that is very individually linking you to wherever you want to be linked to. You know, this is a matter of personal freedom to me. Uh, you mentioned identity. Uh, no. From academic readings, uh, there are uh, two ways of identification. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, through time you uh, accumulate memories and, and, and find yourself in a spot where you can self-identify yourself, I am this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. there are also other people who externally identify you, uh, no, Sami is that. Uh, so there's this friction uh, between self-identification and external identification. I think uh, reading from your book uh, as well, what matters is the self-identification, how one identifies herself or himself. Uh, the problem of external identification is not limited to you or here in Germany. Uh, I remember also, uh, for example, back in 2013, uh, Jawar Mohammed, uh, an activist turned opposition politician and who returned from the US, uh, to Ethiopia in 2018 and now uh, in prison uh, said on Al Jazeera's the stream uh, that uh, he is an Oromo first and Ethiopia is imposed on him. Although this is not uh, the first time uh, that the Oromos have been self-identifying this way, however, Jawar's assertion has created a great uproar from those who don't agree with his assertion, both offline and online. Um, just want to ask you, where do you think this denial against self-identification emanates from here in Germany, in Africa, elsewhere? <laughs> uh, well, that is a huge question for me to answer. Uh, and I don't think I can do this um, um, in, a, in a satisfying way. But uh, you see, there's, I, I think throughout the world, I hear that people don't have, you know, have a, have a longing to define themselves where they uh, where they belong. Um, in, in several countries, there are struggles over these matters. Um, in uh, societies like ours, like the, the German, there are people who have not chosen to come here, but have been brought here uh, by their parents, you know, who may have been refugees or come here for work and, um, um, you know, the, these things. And if these are people... Um, who are becoming part of society throughout time, then um, there is a phase in, in life, puberty mostly, where you normally um, learn about yourself and get, you know, to enjoy the freedom to define yourself in a way within the boundaries that, you know, society sets for you, being, you know, those that define you as men, a male or a female, you know, and these things that we're also trying to decategorize and try to, to loosen uh, a little bit so people can, you know, uh, be uh, defining themselves mm -hmm. uh, in these perspectives also. But um, I think it is uh, preserved as a threat to... Well, one trying to define themselves is, is preserved as a threat to those who want to build unity in a in a nation 
on a concept of blood and genetics and uh, you know categories like this categories that have always been working to uh, create and divide uh, people and create a unity within one group so anyone who allows themselves to define uh, to decide for themselves who they want to be or who uh, you know who they are um, in, in society and in their own life is a threat to this attempt to formulate society as a group of humans that are uh, you know the same as uh, as far as color of skin and 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 uh, um, and their their descent goes um, as long as I think as long as as, as human beings try to bring unity to by exclusion through exclusion of parts of other other parts of society there will be no real unity mm-hmm. um, because there are always others suffering from being excluded from this sense of unity because it will always be built on the disadvantage of others who are essentially us you know uh, uh, people who are being excluded by the same people who are on the inside they're all human so if you exclude some of them you're excluding yourself because you you are them and they are you essentially so we're harming ourselves in and in, in racism this principle was made by was met by um by a workaround you know historically speaking um the workaround was that in colonialism and in slavery uh you would go you would go and say that uh, black people and indigenous people and people of color are inhuman, are more animals rather than uh, than human beings. And so in that sense, when you enslave them and harm them and kill them and so forth, you are not doing this to yourself because you're not doing it to human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think... Um, I, I don't know where I started the slot, so I don't know what I think. This is this is the point I was trying uh, to make: is that I th- this is a new time and a new understanding of of identity, and it could, if we are persistent, free us from the mechanisms that um, have oppressed and divided uh, humanity for for so long. Mm-hmm. And I expect also more because uh, we are having more refugees here uh, who will uh, later uh, find their home here and also self-identify <coughs> as they wish. So the issue is going to remain on the table. Um, talking of uh, refugees, uh, since 2015 uh, there are uh, unprecedented number of uh, refugees from the Middle East, uh, like from Syria and Iraq. Uh, from Central Asia, like Afghanistan, and from the Horn of Africa, like Somalia and Eritrea. Still, there are people who are uh, trying to get to Europe, particularly to Germany. Uh, in that year of 2015, Muti, uh, by the way, this is how Chancellor Angela Merkel is referred to informally. Uh, it means uh, simply mother. Uh, she said, uh, uh, again, meaning uh, we can do this. Uh, almost six years uh, from then on, after such a statement was uttered, had uh, Deutschland geschafft? Excuse me. Has Germany did it uh, or uh, succeeded? Um, has Germany succeeded in, in dealing with the refugees, so to speak? So to speak, um, yeah. 
Well, I, I, I think the premises is quite false. I think there's a great misunderstanding or misuse of what Angela Merkel has said. Uh, I believe that um, she said Bishafidas in a manner of motivation and mm. uh, encouragement, you know, mm. and uh, people, especially people, you know, right-wing people and neo-Nazis and extremists have... Um, have held her to this as if she has made a promise. What she was really saying was, let's stick together and it'll be a piece of cake. We can deal with it. Mm-hmm. And people in, you know, great, great parts of Germany, uh, in German society, they did stick together and they have dealt with it wonderfully with people and their needs wonderfully. So um, it is a, a, a bit of a manipulation and a misuse of this quote to hold her to it as if she has made a promise uh, that she will manage to achieve for everyone else. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, the, the, the dealing with the, the premise of this. Um, the, the question was never whether a rich and diverse country like Germany would manage to become home to, uh, you know, uh, people who come to Germany for security and prosperity, even, you know, prosperity, even if uh, often moderate, you know, in the beginning. The measures that are now being taken against the consequences of the corona outbreak, for example, are proof that, that, you know, Germany is doing quite right, uh, quite uh, all right in in an economical sense and uh, um, um, well as uh, as society you know in spite of all the racism and the hate uh, that is being spread this is still a quite decent place to live at mm-hmm. uh, once once you've become a part of it um, is when things like constant racism and hate really become part of your everyday life but before that you are well a little better off than you were before hopefully and then when you become part of society you have to deal with the with the problems that you're facing when you are a part of society so you could say um being part of the discussion and being part of uh also the difficult sides uh, like racism and and you know things like that um it could be proof that you have become part of society almost and i'm happy to see that more and more germans are starting to discuss these topics um in and even fight over them mm-hmm. um because it means that it is undeniable you know diversity has become an undeniable undeniable reality in this society and um it's much of a given more of a given um uh, than uh, than you know something that is being created at the moment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i will come to the problem of diversity later uh, i just uh, want to ask uh, in your book uh, which carries 18 articles against indifferences and racism you have pounded on the concept of integration Uh, even uh, one of your title reads, uh, Do not forget the longing, hypocrisy of the debate about the will to integrate. Today there is uh, a concept of inclusion in the stream of academic circle as a substitute, I think, to integration. Uh, what is your take on uh, the difference and similarities uh, between integration and inclusion? wants you to be part of something as an equal you know inclusion is the attempt to live among others as an equal of them uh, the difference 
the differences exist uh, between individuals um, exist as a part of uh, the normal variety of human life rather than criteria for distinction. So disadvantages that individuals have in comparison to others in society in an ideal sense of inclusion will be respected when planning and designing social structures and public life um, and, and so on. Uh, that is at least the, 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 the idealistic thought of it. You know, we're far from that, but mm -hmm. uh, um, as a dream, so to speak. But um, it would be a great step forward if we worked more towards this um, idealistic uh, uh, thought. Um, becoming a part of society through integration uh, in comparison to, to uh, in opposition uh, to inclusion, is often more meant as assimilation, you know, meaning that people are meant not to live their cultural aspects of their personalities that differ from German, you know, the idea that German polit politicians often describe as Leitkultur. It, you know, uh, Leitkultur is the idea that there is a common pool of cultural characteristics that make a German, mm -hmm. that make a German identity. And, and it's not defined, you know, it is not defined. Nobody tells you what it is. It's, it's um, like the carrot that's held in front of you <laughs> that always moves once you move towards it. And you cannot achieve to be German in a sense of light culture because nobody has defined it. It's not described. It is existent only to exclude those who are considered aliens and foreigners and to protect German culture as a concept that is very fluent and undefined um, and not belonging to anyone. No one can uh, say we know and define what light culture or German identity is because it's the, you know, it's, it's, it's not a given. It's not something that, that has been written down anywhere, though people try to find, uh, you know, proof of it uh, in, in historic scriptures and so forth. But it's a fluent, even a national identity is a fluent thing. And, uh, Light culture is something that right wingers and uh, and extremists, um, you know, try to insert in discussions about uh, identity and try to to fight what we are trying to um, achieve, which is inclusion and inclusive sense of um, you know German identity. Diversity uh, is another uh, marketable concept, uh, both in media and academic circles today. I think, uh, especially after the Black Lives Matter movement, um, this topic has uh, got also uh, priority in uh, different media and uh, uh, academic area. Um, that is only my observation. Um, because there are concerns that people of color or ethnicity or those who have uh, other identities are not represented at workplaces equally as their counterparts. 
uh, there are media houses business companies and government institutions here in germany who have built also thousands of uh, departments uh, trying to have diversity in all aspects mainly focusing on people of color and uh, to some extent language uh, in, in your opinion, how do you see uh, this diversity issue at media and other institutions? Uh, are these institutions succeeding or failing in establishing it? Uh, I'm not expecting them to do it overnight, but uh, is, is, is it a positive uh, move forward or is there uh, some stumbling? Well, well uh, it's, it's both of it. You know, there's some stumbling and there's moving towards the right direction. I think the focus is sometimes a little off. Um, diversity is a fact in the world that is often being treated as if it were something that has just been invented or discovered. Uh, what, is, what is truly being discovered when talking about diversity is white patriarchy in society um, and white predominance, you know, that is only becoming visible in confrontation with diversity. So, so to speak, when white people are confronted with the diversity around them, they understand that they are white which they had now to face um, before being uh, sharing spaces with people who are not white. Mm -hmm. So I am happy about all this talk about diversity and try to, I try to be part of the conversation um, in, a, in a professional sense, you know, uh, consulting, I'm consulting companies and organizations in this matter. Currently I'm working with Google Germany mm -hmm. uh, on the topic of inclusive language uh, which is a great experience for me and hopefully for them too. Um, the tough part of every organization trying to deal with this matter and do it in a in a well in in, in a good way uh, um, is the reflection on themselves in the matter of racism, which is sometimes being excluded from uh, or, and, and divided from the matter of diversity, and that's simply not possible. You know, racism is a great part of it and you can't talk about um, diversity without talking about racism and you can't talk about racism without facing your own position in this matter so they're unbelievably linked um, uh, in, in this discussion and in order to lead this discussion in an honest and clear way uh, racism has to be part of it and this is what some companies don't like to face and don't like to deal with because it's not something that is um uh you know um uh, um advertisable um when you say not advertisable it's not something that they uh, won't take action on it but uh, they might promise in their corporate uh, responsibilities and so on but in in, in reality in practice uh, it is uh, not mm. doable that, that that's what you mean well you would you you know america you you would have to go out and say in order to talk about racism in an honest way you would have to go out and say there is racism existent among us and what, what what companies and organizations like to do is we are against racism to to state that they are against racism and that racism has no place with us racism has no space here but as long as they're part of society and as long as there are people working um, in these companies and organizations and structures there has to be racism because racism is in you know weaved into society so what 
they really would have to do is to say, we acknowledge that there is racism amongst us and we are part of it and we don't want to be no longer. Uh, so we are taking hard looks at ourselves and try to work to make ourselves better. Mm -hmm. And that's what's not very advertisable because the message um, is something that starts with a negative and works towards a positive. And advertisable uh, would mean that you would always communicate a positive first. From a company point of sense, you would have to convince these people that uh, it is worth the work and the effort and there's something risky but very... Uh, prosperous behind this uh, message that there's racism among us and we're trying to work with it. And people like us, people of color, uh, black people in society, we would appreciate it far more if it, these matters were dealt with in an honest way. And maybe we would even become the better customers to these companies and organizations. Uh, let me uh, get back to your book uh, and uh, and talk on something very interesting uh, you mentioned there. Um, in the title, uh, Rommel and I, about my socialization with racist heroes, you stated that uh, you used to have a list of well-known people, including Rommel, Hannah Arendt, Martin Luther, Hegel, Voltaire, and Immanuel Kant, which you have removed them later from the list of your heroes and heroines. Uh, the closest person uh, some people I know relate to from all of your list is to the Desert Fox uh, or uh, General Field Marshal Rommel. Rommel. You know, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, because uh, he was in Africa fighting on the side of Italian and in Libya against mm -hmm. the British force in Egypt. Um, in my view, mm -hmm. I could guess that there are people back in the Horn who might uh, not know who Rommel is, or Hannah Arendt, Martin Luther, Hegel, Voltaire, or Immanuel Kant. Mm -hmm. And there are also some who knows, and uh, for example, uh, Immanuel Kant, uh, until I came to Germany and trying to experience from other colleagues and, and the classmates uh, while studying, uh, never knew the dark side of his work. I uh, was mm -hmm. only focused on uh, how he lightened uh, the world uh, through his work. And, and, and what are the reasons, briefly, that made you remove them from your list? Um, well, first of all, I think I have to be honest here and say that I was terribly over-exaggerating uh, about what I have read and who, uh, whose work I have known. You know, Hegel, Voltaire, Immanuel Kant, it sounds great to name them mm. and to, to, uh, to pass on the impression uh, that uh, I have read their work and I'm familiar with it, which is not the case really. But mm -hmm. um, the, the point I was trying to make is that education in Germany is and was um, made by white people for white people. Um, and that is something that is only slowly starting to change thanks to the to the to the to the actions and the persistence of people of color color within the german educational system many of uh, the icons i was i was taught through my you know education were people so i found that had they known me would have considered me an animal rather than a human being and that's documented in their legacy and um and, and it's not been, you know, taught to me in school because my education was simply not designed for me, was not designed with respect to me as a black child. 
So, um, in a society diverse as ours is today, that leaves out huge parts of you know people's realities, and that has to change. It's the Eurocentric white perspective that has to widen and include. We're back to inclusion again, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, include more people who are not white and have not been, um, you know, included before. And that's the point I was trying to make, really. Um, well, I think uh, those topics, diversity, inclusion, uh, racism, um, cannot be covered in this short episode also. Uh, it's mm. going to need more uh, time, more debates, and uh, um, I think uh, we have uh, managed uh, to raise and deliberate on uh, some part of uh, these, these topics. Um, I really thank you. Uh, this is uh, just from my side. Uh, this is what I have. Uh, is there anything you want to add? Uh, Marga, I, I, uh, I love your podcast. I hope it will be a great success in the future. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Sami, for sharing your thoughts, expertise, insights uh, for the Horns uh, diaspora audience. For those of you who haven't read Sami Undilibe Heimat or the English version Sami and the Beloved Homeland, never miss to get a copy of it. I would also love to hear and or read your response on YouTube channel and on Facebook under uh, the Horns Diaspora. Please also do not forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Until I get back to you with the next episode, I would like to say goodbye for now.